European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 42, Issue 34. Focus Issue, Epidemiology and Prevention, by Editor-in-Chief, Professor Filippo Crea. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. The ESC guidelines on cardiovascular prevention and a focus on old and new risk factors. This focus issue on epidemiology and prevention contains the 2021 ESC guidelines on cardiovascular disease prevention in clinical practice. The present guidelines concentrate principally, but not exclusively, on the risk factors, risk classification, and prevention of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, or ASCVD. Special considerations have been given to differences in age, sex and gender, life expectancy, risk factor profiles, ethnic and geographic differences. Residual cardiovascular disease, or CVD, risk is defined as the risk estimated after initial lifestyle changes and risk factor treatment and is mostly used in patients with established ASCVD. For younger apparently healthy subjects, lifetime CVD risk estimates are available to support treatment decisions, replacing 10-year risk algorithms that consistently estimate low 10-year risk, even in the presence of high risk factor levels in an aging population. Treatment decisions require a specific CVD risk score that takes competing non-CVD risk into account. Estimating lifetime benefit in individual patients of smoking cessation, LDL cholesterol lowering and blood pressure lowering provides opportunities to communicate benefit of treatment in an easy-to-understand way. Personalised treatment decisions using CVD risk estimations and a stepwise approach to treatment is more complex than a more general one-size-fits-all prevention strategy, but reflects the diversity in patients and patient characteristics in clinical practice. These guidelines propose a new stepwise approach to treatment intensification as a tool to help physicians and patients pursue these targets in a way that fits patient profile and preferences. New evidence on antithrombotic treatment regimens for ASCVD prevention is also presented. Sex-specific aspects are included. ASCVD prevention needs an integrated, interdisciplinary approach, including input from several disciplines and areas of expertise. In a state-of-the-art review article entitled Persisting Burden and Challenges of Rheumatic Heart Disease, Aloy Marion from the University of Paris in France and colleagues note that rheumatic heart disease, or RHD, is the result of episodes of acute rheumatic fever with valvular and other cardiac damage caused by an abnormal immune response to Group A streptococcal, or GAS, infections, usually during childhood and adolescence. As a result of improved living conditions and the introduction of penicillin, RHD was almost eradicated in the developed world by the 1980s. However, being a disease of poverty, its burden remains disproportionately high in the developing world, despite being a fundamentally preventable disease. RHD generates relatively little attention from the medical and science communities in contrast to other common infectious problems such as malaria, HIV, tuberculosis, despite the major cardiovascular morbidity stroke mortality burden imposed by RHD. 
This relative neglect and paucity of funding has probably contributed to limited fundamental medical advances in this field for over 50 years. Observational studies have suggested strong association between sleep duration and CVD risk, but causal inferences have not been confirmed. In a clinical research contribution entitled Causal Associations of Short and Long Sleep Durations with 12 Cardiovascular Diseases, Linear and Nonlinear Mendelian Randomization Analyses in UK Biobank. Sisi from the Chinese University of Hong Kong in China and colleagues, sought to determine the causal associations between genetically predicted sleep duration and 12 CVDs using both linear and nonlinear Mendelian randomization or MR designs. Genetic variants associated with continuous, short, less than or equal to 6 hours and long, greater than or equal to 9 hours sleep durations were used to examine the causal associations between 12 CVDs among more than 400,000 UK biobank participants of white British ancestry. Linear and nonlinear MR analyses showed that genetically predicted sleep duration was negatively associated with arterial hypertension, atrial fibrillation, pulmonary embolism, myocardial infarction, and chronic ischemic heart disease after correction for multiple tests, P being less than 0.001. In sharp contrast, genetically predicted long sleep duration was not associated with any CVD. The authors conclude that their study suggests that genetically predicted short sleep duration is a potentially causal risk factor of several CVDs, while genetically predicted long sleep duration is unlikely to be a causal risk factor for most CVDs. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Susan Redline from the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. The author notes that while MR is uniquely appropriate for studying causal associations, relying on genetic variants determined at birth, it also has some limitations, e.g. because genetic variants may have pleiotropic associations with the outcome, and because it's not immune to selection bias. There are opportunities to better characterize the causal relationships between sleep duration and CVD using additional causal inference methods and, importantly, to expand those analyses to diverse populations. Finally, the mounting evidence for a causal association of sleep duration and CVD should motivate follow-up investigation of specific mechanisms behind the association, development of biomarkers, and study of effective clinical and behavioral interventions. Among the current efforts to reduce the mortality from cardiometabolic diseases, is the identification and preventative treatment of high-risk individuals. However, identification of individuals with high risk of cardiometabolic disease is challenging, even when accounting for multiple risk factors such as obesity, hypertension, diet, smoking, air pollution, and lack of physical activity. In addition, the established risk prediction algorithms, usually specific for certain age, sex, and ethnic groups, may over- or underestimate the risk in other groups. In recent years, microcalcification identified in routine mammograms were found to be associated with cardiometabolic disease in women. 
in a clinical research article entitled Mammographic Features Are Associated with Cardiometabolic Disease Risk and Mortality. Felix Grassmann from the Karolinska Institutet in Stockholm, Sweden and colleagues aim to systematically evaluate the association of microcalcifications and other mammographic features with cardiometabolic disease risk and mortality in a large screening cohort and to understand a potential genetic contribution. This study includes about 58,000 women from a prospective mammographic screening cohort in Sweden, or Karma, and about 50,000 sisters. Cardiometabolic disease diagnosis and mortality, as well as medication, were extracted by linkage to Swedish population registries with virtually no missing data. In the Cardiometabolic Phenome-Wide Association study, the authors found that a high number of microcalcifications was associated with increased risk for multiple cardiometabolic diseases, particularly in women with pre-existing cardiometabolic diseases. In contrast, dense breasts were associated with a lower incidence of cardiometabolic diseases. Importantly, they observed similar associations in sisters of karma women, indicating a potential genetic overlap between mammographic features and cardiometabolic traits. Finally, the authors observed that the presence of microcalcifications was significantly associated with increased cardiometabolic mortality in women with pre-existing cardiometabolic diseases, while they did not find such effects in women without cardiometabolic diseases. Grassmann et al. conclude that they demonstrate that mammographic features are associated with cardiometabolic risk and mortality. The results strengthen the notion that a combination of mammographic features and other breast cancer risk factors could be a novel and affordable tool to assess cardiometabolic health in women attending mammographic screening. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Angela H.E.M. Maas from the Radboud OMC in Nijmegen, Netherlands. She notes that we need to better understand what we measure on a mammogram. This means a movement from number of clusters of unknown microcalcifications towards an automated dedicated measurement of ductal microcalcifications. Such an Agatson score for mammography could turn the promising but weak signals into more powerful absolute risk predictors and identify women at risk to prevent adverse cardiovascular outcomes. In another clinical research article entitled Lifestyle, Cardiometabolic Disease and Multimorbidity in a Prospective Chinese Study, Yuting Han from the Peking University in China and colleagues note that the potential differences in the impact of lifestyle factors, or LFs, on the progression from healthy to first cardiometabolic disease, or FCMD, subsequently to cardiometabolic multimorbidity, or CMM, and further to death, is unclear. The authors used data from the China Kaduri Biobank of more than 460,000 adults aged 30 to 79 free of heart disease, stroke, and diabetes at baseline. CMM was defined as the coexistence of two or three CMDs, including ischemic heart disease, or IHD, stroke, and type 2 diabetes, or T2D. 
The authors used a multi-state model to analyze the impacts of high-risk LFs, including current smoking or quitting because of illness, current excessive alcohol drinking or quitting, poor diet, physical inactivity, and unhealthy body shape, on the progression of CMD. During a median follow-up of 11.2 years, more than 87,000 participants developed at least one CMD, more than 14,000 developed CMM, and more than 17,000 died afterwards. Five high-risk LFs played crucial but different roles in all transitions from healthy to FCMD to CMD and then to death. When they further divided FCMDs into IHD, ischemic stroke, hemorrhagic stroke and T2D, they found that LFs played different roles in disease-specific transitions, even within the same transition stage. Han et al. conclude that assuming causality exists, their findings emphasize the significance of integrating comprehensive lifestyle interventions into both health management and CMD management. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Dong Zhao from the Capital Medical University Beijing Anzhen Hospital in China. The findings of this study provide evidence showing the importance of lifestyle intervention in primary and secondary prevention of CMD in China. These findings also imply that the residual risk of CVD among well-treated people in primary and secondary prevention may be partly from the lasting effects from unhealthy lifestyle risk factors. This study also provides useful information for providing health education to the population and to patients with CMD. The pandemic of obesity around the globe is raising growing concern. In a meta-analysis article, Association between adiposity and cardiovascular outcomes, an umbrella review and meta-analysis of observational and Mendelian randomization studies. Min Xiao Kim from the Korea University in the Republic of Korea and colleagues investigated the causal relationship and evidence of an association between increased adiposity and the risk of incident CVD or mortality. Observational informing association and MR informing causality studies were assessed to gather mutually complementary insights and elucidate perplexing epidemiological relationships. Systematic reviews and meta-analyses of observational and MR studies that were published until January 2021 and evaluated the association between obesity-related indices and CVD risk were searched. Twelve systematic reviews with 53 meta-analyses results, including over 501 cohort studies, and 12 MR studies were included in the analysis. A body mass index, or BMI, increase was associated with higher risk of coronary heart disease, heart failure, atrial fibrillation, all-cause stroke, hemorrhagic stroke, ischemic stroke, hypertension, aortic valve stenosis, pulmonary embolism, and venous thromboembolism. The MR study results demonstrated a causal effect of obesity on all indices but stroke. The CVD risk increase for every 5 kg per meter squared increase in BMI varied from 10% for hemorrhagic stroke to 49% for hypertension. 
The all-cause and CVD-specific mortality risk increased with adiposity in cohorts, but the MR study demonstrated no causal effect of adiposity on all-cause mortality. The authors conclude that high adiposity is associated with increased CVD risk, despite divergent evidence gradients. Adiposity is a causal risk factor for CVD except all-cause mortality and stroke. The associations are consistent between sexes and across regions. This study provides guidance on how to integrate the evidence from observational association and genetic-driven causation studies accumulated to date to enable a more reliable interpretation of epidemiological relationships. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Anika Rosengren from the University of Gothenburg Institute of Medicine in Sweden. The authors conclude that the massive work undertaken in the study by Kim et al. is of particular interest in our understanding of current trends in heart disease incidence and potentially also what to expect in the future when increasing numbers of overweight, obese and severely obese people who are now young or adolescent become middle-aged and older. In a recent study from the US, heart failure and hypertensive heart disease accounted for major increases in premature death and offset declines in ischemic heart disease mortality. Similarly in Sweden, a shift in young onset CVD events before the age of 40 in men demonstrated a marked shift from incident acute myocardial infarction to incident heart failure. The much lower effect size by continuous BMI on CHD relative to that of heart failure could help explain these emerging trends and provide some indication of what might happen in the future when heart failure, already a huge global issue in the elderly, will likely surpass acute myocardial infarction as a major problem also among the young and middle-aged. The issue is also complemented by two discussion forum contributions. In a commentary entitled, Clinical and Methodological Considerations when Interpreting Meta-Analyses of Beta-Blocker Use in Patients with Chronic Obstructive Pulmonary Disease. Claudia Golia from the Imperial College London in the United Kingdom and colleagues comment on the recent publication Association of Beta-Blocker Use with Survival and Pulmonary Function in Patients with Chronic Obstructive Pulmonary Cardiovascular Disease, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis by Yan Li Yang from the Peking Union Medical College Hospital in Beijing, China. Yang et al. respond in a separate comment. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.